Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Don Peyote. some bumps and bruises you're totally healthy but why the extra exams i want to be uh healthy i got a big trip coming up well if that's the case i'm gonna need to run a couple extra tests sure doc just let me know when i can get out of here oh yeah yeah we will okay come on doc bye for lunch Warren was an ordinary person. He was engaged. Well, you're nervous about the big day. He was Jewish. You consider yourself a practicing Jew? I think I'm leaning toward Buddhism. Warren's life was simple, but for one particularly wet evening, something happened. Listen, I need your camera, okay? What do you need my camera for? I'm working on this project now that I think is very, very important. I feel like, I don't know, I may change the world. This joint is, is us. It's all falling apart. I am your worst nightmare, Warren. I want the truth. You really want to know? The wedding is off, Warren. One of these days, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to save you, if you're lucky. Need a... some mad genius to change things. Yeah. You think that might be me? They're chasing me. What? CIA, FBI, KGB, KFC, Mickey D's. I'm talking about Ares, God of Warfare and Bloodshed. So if you could just roll due north, Christ, of all the son of a bitches in New York, I gotta get stuck with these, bro. Hey. What if we were to accidentally spill, say, 100 gallons of ayahuasca medicine into the water supply? There you go. Get a good look, assholes. This is my life. It's the uh, delusions of grandeur again, right? You don't think I'm insane? How does that word even mean? I loved it! She wants something to say at the wedding? Warren sitting on his ass? No, he's making a documentary that's gonna save the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from USA Today's pop culture blog, Pop Candy, Whitney Matheson, and tonight's guest filmmaker, Dan Fogler. Dan, how are you? I'm wonderful. I heard that we are, uh, we're neighbors. We're neighbors. We live a few blocks from each other. Hey. I know. Great. Is anyone else here from Brooklyn Heights? <laughs> Anybody? Nobody? Yeah. Oh, yes. Where are Another you at? Another neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to meet at Hanko's afterward. Yeah. And get a bubble tea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, someone was asking me to describe this movie, and it's very, very difficult. Even if you've seen the trailer, it's kind of hard to describe the movie. (laughs) I said it's an apocalyptic stoner comedy. But then I thought, maybe that's not the way you want it described at all. So so what what would you say? If that gets people interested, yeah, that's a good one. Does that sound interesting to people? An apocalyptic stoner comedy? You like that? <laughs> All right. That sounds good. Yeah, whatever hooks them. I like that. Um, it's, it's a, you know, there's, we're smoking 
copious amounts of ganja in the movie, definitely. Um, but it's not. It's it's. I think it's more complex than than just a stoner comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brings up a lot of life uh, questions uh, for the um, the hero of the story, Warren. And so there's a lot of. 2012 end of the world theorizing in this mm-hmm. movie. So how did the idea come about? When is this a long movie in the making? When did you start thinking about it? Yeah, I, I started thinking about doing this movie back uh, 2010. I was getting married and I was <laughs> sorry, ladies. <laughs> and um, I, was, um, I was stressing out about that, you know, and uh, and, I, and a lot of people were stressing out about the world and what was going to happen in the future. And I, I just felt like this really volatile energy that was going on around then. And I wanted to capture that in a movie. I wanted to capture that in like a, a documentary. And uh, so I, I basically you know, drew from my own life. And, um, and then I, I started collecting. I, I, we didn't have a lot. I said I, I went to my buddy Michael Canzanero. Um, and his, uh, he's the co-director, co-writer of the movie. I didn't have a lot of money at the time I was, uh, f- to make the movie. I was just like, I'll just go out of pocket. We'll start shooting the first part of the movie, which is uh, documentary, mockumentary style. We'll collect all these interviews from all these wise men and women along the way, and that'll be the first part of the movie. And, um, and then if we get gold, then we'll raise more money and... and you know, we'll make the second half of the movie, which is like suddenly you're in Alice in Wonderland, uh, or like it's like Wizard of Oz, like suddenly it's color uh, for the second half of the movie, which was my big vision for this. And of course, you know, we had a limited budget, so my grandiose ending had to be, you know, cut several times. But the but the uh, the nature of the movie was just so organic um, and. We just said full steam ahead. We'll just start shooting and see what happens. And uh, we had this outline for the script, which was essentially like a you know the modern prophet journey, which is uh, my character Warren bumps into the guy with the end is near sign and gets like obsessed with that. Like, what does it mean? Is the world gonna end or or is it not gonna end? And like, what the hell is gonna happen? And you know, he he just gets obsessed with that and and he goes off the deep end trying to find the answer. And uh, when he goes down the rabbit hole, he emerges on the other side a changed man. He becomes Don Peyote. He becomes this street prophet. He becomes the guy with the end is near sign. Um, but except it's a different message. It's like a, you know, a peace is here sign. It's like a, you know, spreading joy and happiness and talking about embracing change. And um, he becomes his own version of the street prophet, which is something that I've always been interested, the story that I've always been interested in telling. Um, and now I'm going to breathe. <sighs> <laughs> that was good, though. Did you like that? Yeah, yeah, that was good. I've been good. talking all day about this. <laughs> well, I think warmed up. one thing that uh, strikes people when they see the trailer, definitely, is... Whoa, wait, uh, Anne Hathaway's in it? Like, the, the cast, yeah. every few minutes in this movie, like, somebody, there's You're someone like, you recognize. You're like, wait, what are they doing? Yeah. So, um, A lot first, of cameos. First of all, Anne Hathaway, how did that happen? And when did that happen? It's <laughs> so funny. That's why you have to, to smoke a joint or something or, like, have a drink before the movie because 
then when Anne Hathaway comes on, you're not as shocked. But um, <laughs> Anne, Anne was, is like a friend of mine. She, she's like an angel in my life, okay? She handed me my Tony Award, and ever since then, she's just been like, oh, my God, she's like this person that changed my life. And, like, uh, and we, have the same, <laughs> we have the same manager, and uh, I talked to her about the movie. I said, you know, this is the concept. You get to come in, and you get to improvise, and you get to do something you don't normally do. And she's like this, like, you know, straight out of, like, punk rock Matrix or something. She enters my dream and downloads a tremendous amount of information to the character in my movie. And um, it's a really fun, wild scene. And, uh, and she is really hot and you know, awesome in it. And, and I think that's what a lot of people that came on board, like Josh Dumel and, and Jay Baruchel, they, were, they, uh, they became friends, but they also saw an opportunity to do something different and get a little more raw and dirty and and play and have some fun. Well, that leads in well to the first clip we're going to show Whoa. <laughs> uh, with, with you and Josh. Oh, okay. You're so good at oh. Baby. You know what? I'm not hungry for fish anyway. This... How about Italian? Yeah. You like Italian? I love Italian. Fucking That boots. never happens, ever. You okay, baby? I hate fish, man. Fish are filled with mercury. They're a bunch of jackasses. Yeah, I'm hungry for Italian anyway. Tony, this place makes the best shrimp puttanesca. It's on the How can they use real calamari on this? What are you hungry for? I can eat a, a horse. Okay. Hey, keep your fucking head in the swing. Sanitary? I don't know, but it's free. Lately, we have been craving meat, I swear. Because we're going to say you're a vegan. Oh, there you go. Oh, no, we're not political. Oh, my God. Oh, this is what we had last night. I love this. It's all so good. Is that shrimp pasta? Mm. You want it? You want it? Mm. Okay. I love you. Mm. Do you have an orange left? I mean, this is like, this is the restaurant I've had, yeah. You don't understand. Like, this, you, you might as well be in the restaurant, you know? It tastes exactly the same. I guess beggars can be choosers. Well, also in this movie is Topher Grace, who plays your agent? Yeah, yeah. not Dan Fogler's agent. And, yeah. yes. And uh, there's a part where... <laughs> Where he sort of says, "You've got to stop doing all this, all these indie movies. You've got to stop." Is, is any of that taken from your real life? Where does that come from? Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> a lot of the reason I made the movie was because I wanted to stretch my muscles, you know, as an actor and do other things, and because you know, it's like I, I can't keep doing like Balls of Fury movies, you know, for the rest of my life. I mean, it's fun, but I want to, uh, I want to expand my, you know show the more of a spectrum of my abilities so um yeah so that's why a huge reason that i wanted to do the movie um wait a minute what was the actual question again oh it was just about topher grace and how, oh yeah because yeah, he's talking about yeah so, topher grace. so that Dan moment Bowman. in the movie where we break the fifth or f- like fourth or fifth wall <laughs> we break some wall 
where, which is like an homage to like Annie Hall in a lot of ways, where you see Topher and he's playing Dan Fogler's agent. And that was me like, and he's just like, and it's like, it comes at a very trippy part of the movie. So I'm, <laughs> that was me like saying, okay, <laughs> my agent is going to see this part of the movie and just be like, what the hell? is wrong with Fogler. And, uh, you know, that because it's, it gets very out there. I break the fourth wall. I'm talking straight to the audience as my character. Um, and I, I, I'm, my character goes crazy, and he starts noticing the audience in the theater, and he starts talking, and I'm like, hey, man, this is my life. You know, you're watching. And then suddenly we have Topher come in as my, <laughs> Dan Fogler's agent, watching the movie, just being like, wow, that's, whoa. And I'm trying to get him to you know, do uh, more mainstream stuff. You know, it's like, it's hard to be this guy's agent sometimes, you know, like, that's me just thinking like, um, you know, that's, that's me at, look, like looking at the movie outside of the movie as myself, you know, like, and I thought that would be hysterical, and it's a hysterical moment in the movies. So it's, it's very akin to like, um, you know, uh, an Annie Hall, like non sequitur, you know, and um, yeah. If that answered the question. I think so. And I know you said there's some footage in it where it seems like it is a little bit like a documentary. Like you, did you speak to real people who had thoughts about yeah. the world ending? And how did you find these kind of characters? The movie is on the cusp of uh, reality and fiction. I, you know, the, he's collecting all these interviews from all these wise men at the beginning of the movie trying to find these answers. And... Um, you know, you have Jay Baruchel in there, who's an actor, is playing this conspiracy nut who is downloading all this information onto my character. Um, but then you also have Daniel Pinchbeck, who like wrote the book, you know, 2012, who is the expert on it. And you have experts who are interviewed, and you also have um, obviously people playing experts. And I think are some faces blurred of people, and yeah, yeah, yeah. People's faces are blurred. Um, in there and the first yeah because it was so organic and experimental we were just like rolling the camera at this party and, and improvising scenes so there are people in the movie that were like where the fuck is that person <laughs> like we don't know where they are anymore uh, we never got them to sign anything so we can't we can't put them in the movie you know it was really guerrilla and there were people that um, you know because you know we're it's, ex it's experimental it's very 60s style movie making there's you know we're we're there's smoking there's all sorts of stuff going on and um you know some people don't want to be seen on camera with that stuff they'll regret it later <laughs> what happened to the reverb come on Sorry. and you shot it did you shoot it entirely in new york um i mean we shot a great portion of it in new york but um we went to Costa Rica. That didn't make it into the movie. We went to L.A. That is some of it, some of it's in the movie, but a lot of it, yeah, about eighty percent of it's in New York. And uh, some out your apartment window. Yeah, some out of, out of my. So you get a nice, delicious view of Manhattan from my apartment window from in the movie. And I think, are we ready? Okay, I think oh, we're let's ready. Do it. Yeah, other than some bumps and bruises, you're totally healthy. But why the extra exams? Why do you care? I need to ask you these questions. I want to be uh, healthy. I got a big trip coming up. Where are you headed? Punta Maldonado. 
Ah, yes, Punto Maldonado. It's lovely this time of year. Well, if that's the case, I'm gonna need to run a couple extra tests. Sure, Doc, just let me know when I can get out of here. Oh, yeah, yeah, we will. Okay. Come on, Doc, time for lunch. Has he exhibited any homicidal or suicidal tendencies? Put his fingers in his mouth like he was trying to blow his brains out, but I, I mean, I don't think he really... I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna recommend we keep him here for 72 hours for observation. I'm with a patient! You like that? Nice. And in the movie, you play a guy who writes comics in real life. Yeah, you graphic have, novels, yeah. Yeah, you, you have written at, at least one graphic novel. Have you written more stuff? Two. I got two graphic novels um, out, uh, volume one of Into a Moon Lake, mm -hmm. which is with Archaea slash Boom. And uh, that's like Twilight Zone on THC. Do you see a running theme here? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe a little. What sort of comics do you read? <laughs> oh, uh, oh man! I have such a wide taste. I mean, I'll I'll read whatever's in front of me, really. Um, but uh, big influence uh, on the movie Grant Morrison, um, and um, I, I came across a speech he was giving giving uh, for Disinfo that like blew my mind during the research of this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and his book, The Invisibles, is. Uh, a lot a, has a lot to do with some of the concepts in the movie um and uh yeah i i i mean i love everything from you know wolverine and batman and you know to to the invisibles to um to like like you know I'll, i love crumb you know i love all the i love everything i don't know i just love the i just love the the art form it's really close to movies and it's like making, it's like storyboards. And uh, I don't know, I've just, been, I've just been reading comics and playing with like toys and stuff since I'm a kid. And I'm just a, I'm just a big old kid still. <laughs> Do you have a favorite comic shop in New York? Oh yeah, I go to Forbidden Planet uh, on Broadway. I've been going there since I'm like a little kid. Like birthdays, my aunt would me, bring me and my brother there and we'd go to Ray's Pizza and get a slice and then and then the Ray's original. It's not even. It's, that, it's not even there anymore. Ray's original, which is really sad. But uh, I go there, and then we go to Forbidden Planet and spend the afternoon. And I just come home with a stack of comic books. And I got storage units of comic books. Uh, yeah. Wow. It's that wild and crazy with the comics. I was no. I was in a movie. <laughs> oh yeah, you're having like an epiphany. No, you're having like a whoa. I get that a lot. They're like, hey, man, you're just like my brother. He's from Brooklyn, too? We probably pass every single day. <laughs> I'm sure we pass almost every single day in Brooklyn Heights. Well, we have one more clip. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. You okay. guys ready? So, what's been going on at home that's got Karen insisting that you come back to me for therapy? Well, off the record, I mean, she's very, very stressed out right now. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And But she seems to think you're behaving rather strangely. Why would she think that? I don't know. I'm having these incredibly 
vivid dreams, you know, and, uh, and other images. And um, I'm working on this project now that I think is very, very important. I feel like, I don't know, it may change the world. And I feel like I'm, I've got this greater purpose or something in my life and, and my brain. It's just, it, it won't shut off. Uh, I'm just working overtime, trying to crack this code. It just feels like that, you feel like that, that, that we're living in some, some really like fucked up times right now. You would agree with that, right? That's how you see it. Yes, and I mean, someone's got to come along. I mean, and just, ugh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because what am I going to do? I, I mean, I, I, I got to raise a family in this. So, uh, it's the uh, delusions of grandeur again, right? Fuck. No, Doc. Look, um, you're making me a bit nervous. I uh, think you should just come back, sit down, have a cookie. Yeah, it ain't Cheech and Chong, that's for sure. It's a, I mean, I love Cheech and Chong. This is more complex. I think that might be my dream to have Wallace Shawn play my therapist. Yeah. How did that happen? Oh, man. He, he, I, he you know... He's interested in the subject matter, I think. Uh, called him up, and I just asked him to be in it, and he dug the passion, and, and, and I said, you get to improvise and play, and we get to make the character together, and uh, so he was down. And I've always just been a huge fan of his. I mean, I think he felt that, and he had a ball. Well, everyone, everyone, this movie was made out of amazing favors and synchronicities and, and amazing performances, and, and he... Um, there's a scene that got cut out of the movie that was awesome. We cut it out for time, but we got him to say, uh, um, Warren, come here, my boy. Try this vaporizer. And just hearing him say, vaporizer, was like one of the, like I just ticked that off my bucket list right there. <laughs> yeah. And I, there's kind of, I hope I, this isn't sort of giving too much away, but there is a great musical number, and like you pack oh, in yeah. so many things in this movie, and it seems like, how yeah. was that tough to, to make happen? Did you have oh, to yeah. enlist some friends to come in and, sure. and dance with you? Uh, yeah, we pulled some real resources, got some dancers in there. Um, yeah, well, he loses his mind, and he suddenly feels like he's, you know, inside a, um, a music video, you know? But uh, that's kind of like Don Peyote's superpower that when he starts getting in touch with his, you know, spiritual side and he's, he's just very passionate, suddenly he breaks into song and starts dancing. And it's so overwhelmingly powerful that other people have to join in. So that suddenly there's, you know... You know, I had an end of the movie. I had an alternate end of this movie that was for a bigger budget, where, you know, the earth shook, and uh, Woodstock like breaks out all over the world. You know, it's like, you know, so that's 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 kind of the message in the movie that Don Peyote comes along with the message of of durable peace. You know, and people start to see peace 
kind of a badass rock and roll kind of way, and it spreads, and and um, and he turns the tide, you know, for the better, for the future. He's the hundredth monkey. And I guess my last question before we see if anybody in the audience has a question is yeah. what what did you learn from making this movie? Not oh, only about filmmaking because you shot this big movie on a small budget, but also just how did it change you in terms of philosophically what you what you thought about the topics that you cover? Yeah, the oh wow. Yeah, the main really one of the main themes in the movie is that uh fear is can consume you. And if you let it consume you and if you if you start to worry about things that you can't control like the future and you bring that home with you, then that makes your home life unravel and and then it just has this ripple effect where you're just only able to add to the chaos. And if you can if you're able to um embrace the change, you're able to cruise with it, then uh to quote Mr. Speed Levitch, who's also in the movie, um, if you're able to do that, then you can really be in a position where you can change things for the better. And it's really just a big positive message. And that, you know, that was a huge message that I learned. I was very angry and confused and, and concerned about the future and the beginning of the making of the movie. And now I'm a much happier, uh, mellower, chiller guy because I know that, um, that I'm able to... Uh, to go with the flow and I'm able to, to influence my surroundings in a positive way by staying positive. Well, thank you very much. Bam! And, uh, yeah, if anybody in the audience has a question, you can raise your hand and this guy with a microphone will come right to you. Yeah. Hey, I had a question about the editing. I was wondering if you did it as you went along, like just because of how you raised the money and how you sort of shot it, if you were editing as you yeah. went, or if you had to sort of amass all your footage and then wait at the end to see what you, where the story was and what you had, or if it was a little bit of both, if you brought someone else in, just sort of how that all went down. Yeah, we had a couple editors. We had a couple editors and it ended up um, with the guy named Dan Bush who was really intelligent about it and he... Uh, he cut it together and, and figured out the whole narrative with it, uh, the narration with it. And, um, but we were halfway through the movie. We, we were editing the movie, and we, we were halfway through it. We didn't have an ending. And I, and I went off and I did Scenic Route, and I met Josh Dumel, and I said, you got to come and you know, be in this movie with me, and we got to use your mohawk. And, uh, and we became friends, and he said, yeah, hell yeah, I'll do it. So... It was fully organic. We were making it as we were going along, um, writing things, writing scenes for people. And um, then we just found a lot of it in editing. You know, like I said, we went to Costa Rica. That's, you know, there's like, I went there for a week and we had this amazing, you know, gold, interviewed amazing people. None of it's in the movie. And that was just the journey that I was on trying to make this movie. I was just collecting all this information. And, I was like, whatever sticks, sticks, but we're on this journey, you know, come hella high water, essentially. Did that answer your question? Cool, yeah. Hi. Hi. So there's a lot of uh, improv. So I was wondering what kind of, you know, basic statement you gave all of the actors who are saying, this is my basic premise, and just kind of go off. How much did you give right. them? How much was really We wrote a just... script. You know, we had, I wrote a script that was epic, and, and obviously, you know, it got chopped down because of budget reasons but um we would hand people a script 
uh, a scene written and say, do this, and then say, now make it your own. And, and some scenes I would write with people. And then some scenes I would just, we'd do it like, you know, you know, curb your enthusiasm or, or like waiting for Guffman. We'd say, this is, the, this is what has to happen in the scene. You know, uh, I like uh, Abel Ferrars in the movie. Um, he makes a cameo, which is awesome. He plays a cab driver. And I just said to him, you know, improvise, do whatever the hell you want. You're just pissed off that we're asking you to take us all the way, you know, up north uh, at this terrible time of night. And, and that's it. That's all I told him. And he just, uh, we got a great scene out of him. Um, Anne Hathaway, uh, I gave her a couple lines to do and she did them brilliantly. Uh, and then she just went off on her own. She just brought <laughs> whatever, she, you know, this whole conspiracy rant to the table that I said, oh my God, yes, just keep rolling. So, you, you know, you, I came to the movie with the philosophy of since I was in it and also co-directing, um, I wanted to make sure, I, I really, my philosophy was like say yes 99% of the time because you're gonna, they're gonna show up and they're gonna be excited and to put their creative stamp on something, you know, whether it's a costume person or an actor. Or, and that's, and that's how we, we got gold nine times out of 10 from just from me saying, yeah, yes, you know? <laughs> and uh, I said no a lot, but uh, um, the majority of the time I said yes. And, and I think the people really loved being in that environment. Do you believe that good intentions and the message are more important than the actual talent that you bring into a movie? Which uh, is more, in other words, which is more important? Good intentions and the message that you're trying to deliver mm -hmm. or the talent in the actual movie being an actual good movie? Well, you can't deliver the message without the talent. You know, you have to have, an, uh, you have, to have people that can, that can walk the walk and actually try and, and move you to the point where you're thinking about the major themes in the movie. Um, so it's like a chicken and the egg kind of question. I think the most important thing is the is the message, because if you're not if you're walking away, and you're not thinking this movie makes you think and it makes you talk about you know what's going on in the world and big questions come up after you leave this movie. If you're you know if you a lot there's so many movies out there where you leave and the first thing people say is do you like them? Yeah, good this time. You like that guy? Yeah, he was right. Okay, you want to get a cab and get some pie and that's it. You know, and there's too many. It's just like you're going to spend your time and watch something, you should, it should at least affect you in some way. How, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you. Um, so you said that you have this uh, Twilight Zone-esque type of thing on steroids, which sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, Twilight Zone really? on THC. That's my book, uh, Moon Lake. Oh, it's a book? Yeah, it's a graphic novel um, with Archaea. Go check it out, man. It's 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 uh, it's pretty trippy. It's an it's an an homage to all the things I stayed up late watching when I was a kid, like like Twilight Zone or like Amazing Stories or Tales from the Crypt. And it's this one freaky place up north where all of these different strange events happen. From like, you know, it's like a conspiracy theorist's wet dream. Essentially, there's aliens, there's Sasquatch. You know, it's got everything. Hello, Dan. Hi. How are you? Thanks for coming in, by the way. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> uh, so my question was about, uh, it's not related to the film, but it's about you. So uh, I think one of your first appearances on TV was uh, uh, 30 Seconds of yeah, Fame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you did uh, 
you like a Al Pacino impersonator. First of all, I was gonna ask you to do one. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's Al, that's Al Pacino with uh, that's, it, that's it, right? That's it. He's got cats. No, that was me stealing Spacey's impression. <laughs> but that was uh, that. Uh, yeah, man. I used to do that in my act. I used to do in my comedy act, and uh, I did a lot of things on this road to get here. And um, and I still want to do more stand up. But I did this bit in my act, which was on, which was the Thirty Seconds to Fame bit, which was. Uh, Al Pacino auditioning for the part of Little Orphan Annie. Yeah, did I take you back a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I love that man. I was like, that was one. That was like the first time I was on TV. I think you. I think that may have answered my second question, which was how you got onto the show. Yeah, yeah, the they, comedy. They still, yeah, there was auditions, and I I went in there and I just did that for them, and made them pee their pants. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Oh. I gotta work on that. All right. Well, good. I look forward to seeing it. And uh, I enjoyed Don Peyote. I Thanks. think that you guys should definitely check it out. It will make you think and it'll make you laugh. It's out and on uh, VOD <laughs> now and on iTunes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Dan. Yes. This is great. Thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs>